So hello and welcome to the New Gig Podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Hodgson, and today I am delighted to be joined by the Global Head of Public Policy for Vault, Mr. Samuel Larencari. Samuel, good to see you. Good to see you too, Glenn. Excellent. Well, let's kick things off by just, if you can explain a little bit about the work that you're doing at the moment, and also the development of Vault, which is a rising star in the instant delivery space. Sure. Yeah, so I'm and indeed, as you said, I'm heading up uh, public policy for us across all of the markets in which we're operating in. I, uh, I joined the company uh, more or less exactly 12 months ago, and, and I, I must admit it's been quite the ride. Um, we are a uh, very fast growing company in a sector that has uh, become uh, an essential service uh, throughout the or during the crisis. Uh, we are facilitating uh, sales of restaurants and of retailers in times that they have restrictions in their business. We're allowing people to stay home and getting access to the services and goods they, they need. So we've been, we've been, of course, under high pressure to uh, remain operational, being able to serve our clients or customers, mm -hmm. being able to serve our, our merchant partners, um, and, and of course, also um, uh, contributing to the sort of like policy objectives of governments that are trying to uh, are trying to fight the um, uh, fight the crisis. So it's been it's been an, a really interesting ride. Um, my role as, as head of public policy is 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 to lead our engagements with policymakers, with authorities, with the broader civil society on on all kind of discussions that impact. Uh, our role in, in the society, regulations that impact our business, and making sure that we are a constructive, active participant in societal discussions, in regulatory discussions, and, and we can make sure that we, we're contributing, contributing in a positive way to these. Excellent. I think it's a, it's a, a valuable and essential role that you have at the moment, given the kind of, shall we put it on two levels? One is the lack of uh, uh, knowledge and information about what the sector and what you're really doing. And secondly, sort of uh, um, basically addressing some of the, the negativity and the, 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 the negative views that are actually have around the sector as well, uh, Samuel. So how are you mm -hmm. going about that? Yeah, good question. And maybe a few words on, on Vault. Um, so we're essentially, uh, uh, as you also described it, an, a, a, a restaurant and retail intermediation and delivery platform. Um, the reason why I'm describing it in such a complicated way is that, is that we, we started off as a restaurant delivery platform, as a platform that connects restaurants with customers, allows customers to uh, uh, discover uh, food that they wish to order, mm. conclude transactions with restaurants and have it delivered to them. But we have expanded um, significantly and, and relatively quickly, in particular in the last 12 months, into, into other areas, in, 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 into, into different uh, retail verticals. So now we're partnering with, with um, supermarkets, uh, convenience stores, flower shops, electronics retailers, bookstores, fashion retailers, what have you not, mm. uh, anything that exists in the city, bringing the local brick and mortar physical inventory that exists in a city onto our platform and making it available for our customers with, yeah. with very fast delivery or instant delivery. Yeah. So that's, a, that's the 
uh, direction of travel. And I think that's internationally what we're seeing that the, the general direction of e-commerce, uh, adding this, this really local element, helping local brick and mortar retailers mm. to remain relevant in, in e-commerce by, uh, by offering them a, a hyper fast delivery time to local, local consumers. Mm, now, the, yeah. so yeah, just on the societal discussion, of course, I think we've seen unprecedented scrutiny and attention on our, our business in the last 12 months, because but of course, what, what COVID has meant to so a lot of our uh, restaurant and merchant partners has been restrictions. So restaurants have been ordered to close, yeah. there have been restrictions on how many people can visit retail stores. Um, customers have been advised to avoid going out, avoid going into shops, avoid going to, to restaurants. So uh, in, 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 in cert at certain moments of, of the crisis, um, we've have, we have situation where, um, where the pretty much the only people you see on the streets are, are, uh, are delivery personnel of, yeah. of uh, uh, delivery providers of, of different platforms in addition to, to of course, um, ambulances and, and police. So we, we have a, uh, have had a, a, a very big role in, in, in this crisis become a, a, a certain uh, essential service. Um, uh, so the also the, 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 the public focus, the po focus of the general public, the attention, but also of, of policymakers and regulators um, has been unprecedented. And given that we're, we as part of the broader global platform economy, mm. but in, in particular, um, as a platform work model representing certain types of platform work models are still relatively new phenomena, globally mm. speaking. Um, governments and policymakers and the, and, the, and the broader society are, are still trying to figure out what this means, what are these new types and forms of work, uh, how to best regulate them, what is good about these things, and what is what are perhaps the, the current shortcomings of these models, and that uh, the, COVID, the COVID crisis and, and the sort of uh, central and prominent role that platforms have had, or delivery platforms have had in, in, in the crisis have definitely accelerated these, mm. these discussions as well. And, and there we've seen really the responsibility, of course, for us as a platform also be heavily engaged in discussions, be transparent about our model, explain what we do, what kind of opportunities we're providing for different part, uh, sides of the platform, um, how we see that things could be developed and how, mm -hmm. and, and most importantly, how do we make sure that when we, as we at some point, and I hope soon, gradually grow out of the crisis, how do we make sure that we're moving to a better form, a, a, a flexible, uh, and and um, a flexible and inclusive and fair version of platform work post yeah. the, the COVID crisis as well. Yeah, and I think it's this development which is the, the really important part. This is, you know, it, it's it's not a, a result in itself. It's an ongoing uh, process, and the the evolution will always be there. But I, I think that this is the thing that gets lost because I know that uh, yourselves at Vault are really involved in this. Uh, reaching out and being a stakeholder, being a partner in co-creating the future uh, and making sure it's right for governments, businesses and individuals as well. So that's, uh, I think, the positive element that sometimes gets lost. People don't hear about that, maybe aren't aware of what's happening here. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and it's a very, it's a, it's a, um, let's say the uh, platform work and the type of economic activity that platforms facilitate um, is um, is a complex 
discussion topic where there's many sites to there's many different types of platforms that have uh, very different types of or ways of of operating mm. and and there's there are many different voices and stakeholders to the conversation and some of the concepts are complex uh, and need to be sort of um, uh, laid out in a, in a transparent and 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 uh, interactive way with with yeah. all interested parties but essentially from our perspective um and and in a nutshell what this discussion is about is that we as a company have onboarded around 40,000 queer partners in the last 12 months, um, meaning that we've brought people onto our platform, providing them with flexible opportunities to earn. And, um, and, and these people are able to log on to our platform whenever they want. Um, they can accept or reject any delivery task mm. that is being offered to them. Um, they can log off uh, from the platform whenever they want. They can choose whatever vehicle they want. They can choose how to work and where to work. So this, the model provides this incredibly flexible way of uh, earning income. So you log onto the platform whenever you want. You work as much as you want. So you can log onto the platform now, do one delivery, log off, and then not show up at all for the next four months, and then do one full day of deliveries. Or you can say every Friday actually works for me. I want to have a little bit of extra income. Uh, yeah. So every Friday from 7 to 9 p.m., I'll do deliveries, log on to the platform, and then log off again. Or you can you can log on every day at the same time, work eight hours, and log off and do that five days a week. So it's completely up to the, to the queries, uh, to our query partners, to choose how they wish to uh, use our platform and leverage it. So there's no obligation to ever ever come and, and work on the platform. So mm -hmm. this is a good thing. It's fundamentally a good thing. It's a low barrier way of accessing the labor market. For a lot of people, we don't have strict educational or language requirements for queers. Right. We have more than 200,000 people queuing to be vault queers uh, worldwide. And, mm -hmm. and, and as our platform and our business grows, we'll take people from the queue to join our platform so they can start doing the deliveries. So what is good is the flexibility. We can provide a lot of earning opportunities for a lot of people, um, and uh, um, and it's very low barrier, um, with no educational or language requirements. Right. All of that is good. What is not good is is that um, that flexibility is uh, available in most countries is only available in a self-employed model. Right. And self-employed contractors in most countries have weaker access to social safety nets right. compared to employees so we are not able to provide our queer partners so we're not allowed to provide our queer partners with holiday pay sick pay pension contribution even insurance and uh, um, we would be allowed to do that we would be allowed to provide holiday pay sick pay pension contributions mm insurance if queries would be employed but the employment model then is fundamentally different it means shifts you have a fixed shift tell people to come to a certain place at a certain time right. you have an obligation to work you cannot reject certain tasks that are being given to you, you have an obligation to accept every delivery task that's mm -hmm. being uh, appointed um, you have a boss you have efficiency monitoring in place Right. Um, and you have as a whole, obviously, 
much less freedom to decide when to work, how much to work, how to work, mm. which mm. tasks to accept, which to reject, etc. Yeah. On the on the upside, of course, is the better safety net. So in our view, what be the ideal is that we'd be able to combine the best of both worlds, have the flexibility of the contractor model combined with the better safety nets that exist in the in the employment model and that has really been our our message also to policymakers because yeah. you see a lot of this discussion on classification should couriers be considered employees and there's quite often is this um, misconception misperception that uh, employment would um, somehow be automatically a a better um, uh, form of, of work yeah. for couriers and and quite often people ignore the fact that employment would be a uh, fundamentally a different model from mm. a platform perspective absolutely delivery platform delivery platform businesses can be run in an employment model you can have shifts you can have people who are obliged to work during those shifts and accept every accept every delivery and have bosses telling them where to be and what to do and how to do things and have efficiency monitoring making sure that people are efficient when they are are working so that's possible but we as a company are not at all convinced that that, that is a better model and we're mm. definitely not convinced that our courier partners would want that and actually yeah. like the evidence or like the, the the feedback we're getting from our courier um, community confirms that so when yeah. we ask our couriers every three months how do you like working with us 90 percent say they they are either satisfied or very satisfied mm. with the cooperation they have with us and when we ask them what they appreciate most of the cooperation model it is the number one reason is the flexibility and the freedom to decide when to work and how much to work, etc. Absolutely. So um, we see as a responsibility also for the platform for us as a company to to listen to our query community, and and when we talked with policymakers uh, and communicate in public, also with the with the broader society, mm -hmm. to advocate yeah. for a model that allows us to remain retain the flexibility that our couriers value but offer better safety nets and protections mm. for, for our courier partners. And I think this is the approach as well, because of the fact that I mean, from the research that I've been doing on this uh, area, it really backs this up. This, the, the idea of uh, uh, flexibility and almost the, the fact that the kind of left-wing politicians and the trade unions are pushing people in the name of trying to protect them down a route that they're trying to get away from the traditional nine to five and all the constraints, the barriers and all the unnecessary things that basically a lot of the people who get into the platform uh, uh, and uh, project sector want to avoid that. So it's kind of, we're going in a, in, a, in, a, in a negative spiral towards something that we're trying to escape from. And I think that we need to keep putting this message across as well, that there's, a, there's an actually a, a need from individuals uh, at all levels of society. And it's, uh, it's not just sort of the uh, instant delivery sector. I think what we're seeing more and more is all uh, spheres of the, uh, the, the future of work, people demanding more flexibility. Uh, and I think this is a trend that we're gonna see growing across the board, not just something that's gonna be st stuck into the, uh, into, the, in, into the platform economy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely, and and it's a, that's a, like a, that's the big question uh, around this issue is how do we better listen to the people that are providing their services, the labor yeah. through platforms? How to make that voice heard? Mm. Um, they don't have any institutional interest representation. Um, of course, unions are active in this discussion, but of course, traditionally they represent people that are 
in the employment relationship. So yeah. one of the things that we've been putting forward and supporting is, is to um, uh, make sure that self-employed contractors, independent contractors, self-employed have the right uh, to organize themselves and right. uh, engage in collective bargaining negotiations, yeah. uh, in particular in the platform economy. Mm. Um, so currently that is a bit of a legal gray zone. It's not entirely sure whether self-employed are from a competition law perspective as they are independent economic operators from right. a competition law perspective allowed to organize and, and, and negotiate collectively. And uh, we've supported very much on, on, on EU level as well, an initiative that would seek to clarify that, that from a competition perspective, uh, self-employed should be able to organize themselves and, and uh, co uh, negotiate collectively. Yeah. And that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good point that you bring us on to there, the, the kind of the European level, which also is in play here, as well as the national levels too. And of course, we see um, in, in the last couple of weeks that the, uh, the European Commission has uh, kicked off uh, discussions around the uh, uh, workers' rights uh, in the platform economy sector. It'd be interesting to hear a few thoughts and views that you have from your side on on this, where it's going as we we, we look to uh, pull together a proposal probably at the end of 2021. Yeah, very interesting times. So first of all, I need to say that um, it is really good that the EU Commission has taken this up. Um, now it's the right time to think, how do we regulate platform work? How do we make it better? How do we ensure that we're retaining the positive contributions that platform work brings to study and economy and the labor market and, and while fixing the shortcomings? And doing that on an EU level makes a lot of sense because uh, to my understanding, nearly every single EU member state government is trying to figure out what to do about this question. Yeah. So it makes sense that we're doing this in a EU single market in a way, in a harmonized, in a coordinated manner, even though of course, labor law and a lot of these concepts are, are sort of uh, heavily national and non-harmonized at the moment. But it makes sense to look at this at the EU level. It makes sense that the commission is taking this up and it has also yeah. high, high political priority um, at EU level, which we also uh, strongly support. Now, um, it's still, of course, early days. It's not entirely clear in which direction the commission will go with its proposal and of course what will be the response of the European Parliament and also the member states in the legislative procedure but to understanding um, I think the commission has so far identified the right areas mm. so the for example um, uh, discussions around on legal certainty and classification how do we make sure that everyone there's more certainty for platforms and more certainty for uh, for people that provide services through platforms, platform mm. workers, essentially, um, but also around algorithmic transparency. So people need to understand how platforms work, um, uh, as well as things like access to social security. And, and for example, how do we ensure that uh, we are improving access to social protections for everyone, regardless of classification? Um, so these are really good, well-identified priority areas by the commission. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll find out in the in the coming months uh, what will what will follow concretely. Um, but uh, our sort of wish list to the EU Commission has been to um, indeed combine the best of both worlds, have the flexibility of the contract model coupled with better safety nets, yeah. and it's based on on essentially four pillars. So first of all, 
we think that there should be increased legal certainty. So there mm -hmm. should be clear uh, conditions that need to be fulfilled in order for someone to be considered self-employed. Um, we think that um, platforms should have the right to um, deduct and pay uh, taxes and social security contributions on behalf of quarters to make sure that taxes and social security contributions are paid yeah. um, duly. Mm. Platforms should also have the right to provide better protections such as holiday pay, sick pay, pension contributions, insurance, um, and self-employed individuals should have the right to, as I mentioned before, organize themselves and uh, negotiate collective agreements with yeah. platforms. So those are the sort of four pillars of how to make platform work better across the EU. Um, yeah. And it will definitely not be easy for the EU Commission to sort of navigate this. There's a lot of sensitivities around national labor laws, different definitions and interpretation of, of what constitutes an employee or how, mm. how, how employment relationship is, is defined um, and the very different national systems, social security systems in different member states. So it's definitely not easy for the EU commission to figure out a way to, to navigate this and seek further harmonization, raise the bar across the entire EU. But, yeah. um, but we're trying to help and support in any way we can and, 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 and of course, um, strongly support uh, the initiatives that are being, being planned. Yeah, and, I, and I, from the way it looks at the moment as well, I think from the European Parliament side and also the European Commission, there's this understanding, this is something that's happening. We're not trying to block this as maybe some national arenas is the kind of this is this, this is terrible it'll go away the understanding that the growth rates the importance that the platform economy more broadly has in actually relaunching the european economy as we go come out of this current crisis and accepting that and and, and the openness to work together to be able to create uh, a, a future that really is aligned with the future of work, but also the needs of individuals. And it's not a, a, a black and white kind of 1950s view of the world where you are either a, a, an employer or an employee and nothing else works out. The sort of the, the evolution in terms uh, matching the reality. So we're hoping that the, uh, the, the legal framework and the policies will actually catch up to what's happening uh, and that we can unlock the talent and the, uh, the, 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 the growth opportunities for every individual across the European Union. So great work that Volt is doing on this. And uh, thanks for fighting the good fight there, Samuel. Thank you. And thank you for, for your support. And I think there's, there's uh, uh, of course, the public discussion is always polarized and, and, and sort of like the extremes get a lot of visibility. But, but I think um, there's a lot of um, a lot of people who look at this in a very pragmatic way. See a lot of benefits in platforms. Mm. There's a lot of benefits in platform work and 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 the way that platform work facilitates is easy access, low low barrier access to the labor market, yeah. um, and wants to see that, but also wants to see current shortcomings uh, corrected or 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 improved, uh, just to make sure that of course it's important to have preserve the European social model make sure that there's no precarious working conditions, make sure that people can live off their wages, make sure yeah. that they're protected, they have the right coverage, et cetera, which are also incredibly important objectives. So I think that's a, like a big majority of people would approach this in a very pragmatic and, and a, uh, in a very pragmatic way and, and, and see that we need to preserve the good things and we need to fix the things that need to be fixed. Absolutely. Well, amen to all of that one, Samuel. So thanks indeed for joining us today and look forward to speaking again soon.
Perfect. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you.